0: Electrical impulses. Every cell knows and talks to every other cell. They exchange a thousand bits of information between them per second. Cells group together, forming a giant web of communication, which in turn forms matter. Cells get together, take on one form, deform, reform. Makes no difference, it's all the same. Humans consider themselves unique, so they've rooted their whole theory of existence on their uniqueness. One is their unit of measure, but it's not. All social systems we put into place are a mere sketch, one plus one equals two, that's all we've learned. But one plus one has never equal two. There are, in fact, no numbers and no letters. We've codified our existence to bring it down to human size to make it comprehensible. We've created a scale so that we can forget its unfathomable scale.
1: Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 93, and my name is Scott. My name's Jared. My name is Michael. Nice! All right, on today's episode, we're going to catch up on the films and TV shows we've been watching, as well as the week in film news. Oh, actually, there's not a lot of news. So that'll be a short one. Well, we can... We can dive into some cool trailers, some crazy sci-fi shit going on. Um,
2: Let's just add that into the what we've been watching, it's then. It's good,
1: right? It counts as trailers. Um, but we're actually reviewing Arrival from... The story of your life. Oh, my God. Right, the Arrival. Of d- director oh. Denis Villeneuve, who's actually he's been here for quite a while. Um, I, I can't. It's so good. <laughs> we've been anticipating this movie pretty much all year. Um, this, if you can believe it, this will be the third Denny Villeneuve film that this podcast has reviewed this year alone.
3: Um, how many in the last, like, and this would be like months, maybe
1: four in, in, we did Sicario last October, but we, we have episode 73 and episode 92. We have a reuse of all and enemy. So Denny
3: is a friend of the show.
1: At that, at this point, it, at least it feels that way. Um, he should thank us for maybe like one or two people checking out his movies extra that would not have seen them. Maybe one seat <laughs> sale. We're responsible for that. Um, so we're pumped and
2: honored. Excited. <laughs> Excited. Actually, I have a funny story about this. So my girlfriend and I saw Arrival and... When we, she's seen two Denis Villeneuve movies in the theater. The first one was Sicario. She thought we were going to see Lobster, which Sicario was a very different film from Lobster, so she was not prepared for the violence and intensity of that. Mm-hmm. For Arrival, um, she thought we were going to see Passengers, which... Um, <laughs> oh, man, something's going on. Well, no, and, and so she's like, oh, shit, this is, it's this guy? It's because different... Sicario was a like a disturbing film. So, this would not be I, um, I would not call this one no 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 she was like at the end of the movie she's like oh yes I'm so glad I saw this movie uh, but I just find it kind of funny that both times we've gone to see a villain D- Villeneuve movie uh, she thought it was a different <laughs> she's one it has been confused and it's, it's, it's only kind of, that's well, kind of funny and uh, I kind of I like blame that. myself on that one because I didn't confirm the movie we're going to see but it's only been those two times that that's ever
1: happened. Let, let's be honest here. the The film is called Arrival, and there's another film called Passengers. Totally like airports. Uh, getting yeah, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm feeling that actually. It is a yeah. confusing time. I, to, I go just, to, the, to go to the. I cinema. just like to
2: think it's the universe <laughs> saying she needs to see these films. So um, thank you, e- universe. Ev-
1: everyone, we don't know about Passengers yet, but everybody needs to see Arrival. Uh, and everyone also needs to go to iTunes and click the subscribe button. And then you're also going to f- give us a five-star rating, four stars if you're not not, not having the best day. Um,
2: that's all there is, really, a four or five. Yeah, the other that's options, what counts.
3: But, but then you're putting yourself right in line for a sweet recipe. Yeah, uh, last week we had borscht. Borscht. We had uh, some really good submissions. <laughs> For some tasty bowls of borscht.
1: Uh, what do you guys want this week? Hmm. Hmm. Tim was telling me that fajitas should make a comeback. We months ago suggested that. Um,
3: so fajitas, I don't want. I
1: don't want to ask for fajitas again. It's boring. Like, what are you gonna do? No, they're not.
3: What are you gonna? What are you gonna do different? I think oatmeal cookies are probably what we should ask for here. I'm not baiting you, listeners. But what are you gonna do different?
2: I don't think we need a recipe for oatmeal cookies. The ones we're eating right now are pretty damn good. We kind of, I'm, I'm baiting you. We've reached <laughs> the, the pinnacle
1: of oatmeal cookies. Uh,
2: how about uh, some sort of alternative quesadilla? Okay, so not the standard quesadilla Ooh. recipe, but like <laughs> artichoke a quesadilla. twist on yeah, the quesadilla. Yeah, yeah,
1: Hit up iTunes. Leave us your quesadilla recipes and your five star reviews. Uh, please also go to verticalviewing.com. Click that donate button. It's super shiny super cool. Uh, you help us offset the cost of seeing movies, putting on the show, slicing out some internet pie. Mm-hmm. Internet pie. Yeah. It's pretty good.
2: It's also a little costly. Just mash it into it's your ear. It's not free.
1: No, no. You got to rent out little slices of pie that fit into these little these little boxes down in some refrigerated <laughs> basement. Uh, no one knows how the internet works, but that's <laughs> The that, internet that's is it. made of pies. That's it, actually, guys. Uh your now thoughts no no one that's the crazy thing. Uh your thoughts and recommendations go to our email address. It is verticalviewing at gmail dot com. We're on Twitter at vertical viewing. Uh yeah. Like I said, vertical viewing.com, the donate button. We appreciate uh We're also on Instagram anything. at vertical viewing. Yes, yes. We appreciate anything that the listeners can do. Um yeah. Anything else guys, any other housekeeping things? Instagram still going strong or no?
3: Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know. I <laughs> you you wouldn't it. know <laughs> if I,
2: that's not a good sign. <laughs> um, I, uh, sorry. I have a couple of photos from fan expo that I need to post up on there, which I think will be good. Yeah. Okay.
1: We should have had a booth. We should have had a vertical viewing booth at the fan expo. We dropped the ball there guys. Uh, but let's get into the show. Let's Red, What do you got? What have you been watching?
3: Well, uh nothing too exciting, just expanding on uh a couple things I've already talked about. I watched uh got all caught up on on Westworld um and I have been reading more of uh The World of Adina uh from Mobius, Mobius. I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation still. Um uh, but I also read a pretty cool short story by Ted Chang in a book that you sent me. Um, And I was really interested to read this the short story that inspired Arrival. And I didn't know where it was. I didn't know what the name was. So I was like, maybe it's just the first one. So I just started reading. And it very quickly, I was like, nope. But it was so awesome that I couldn't stop reading it. So uh, everybody should check out this story that is called... <laughs> If you wait one moment <laughs> it's just delay for a minute and here we go on the phone. Sorry, it's called Tower of Babylon. And uh <laughs> it's fantastic. It's a story of a, a guy traveling up the uh legendary Tower of Babel. Uh but it's a little bit different than uh than the legend that we're familiar with, so nice.
1: Okay. That that's it? That's it for me. That's all that that has got. Okay.
2: Mike, what do you got? Uh I watched a bunch of stuff on well a few things on Netflix. The Sherlock Christmas episode uh, of the BBC Sherlock. Uh finally, I don't know how long it's been on Netflix because it just showed up as season 3 episode 4, which is weird because it's not really part of season 3 and it's not part of season 4. It's a Christmas special. So there was no notification and we just happened to come across and say, "Oh, crap, here it is." So I watched that. Uh it's an interesting premise Uh, because it takes place with obviously the BBC with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman is in present day for anyone who's seen it. Uh, If you haven't, I guess it's not so obvious, but there (laughs) you go. Uh, This one takes place back in the Victorian era, like old school London, just like the original source material, except it kind of bounces back and forth and you realize as you're watching it, I guess this is sort of a spoiler, that it's all in Sherlock's mind, like he goes into his mind palace and he's trying to figure something out by pretending that he's back in the olden days, uh, solving one of the old like cr- classic stories, The Abominable Bride. It's pretty good. So he's psychotic. Uh, yeah, basically. He's a high-functioning sociopath. He said that many times in the show. Uh, and he does this by b- being the drug addict that he is and shooting up with like cocaine and heroin and stuff, and it just puts him into this... Weird meditative state where he can just disappear into his mind. Yeah, it's a bit a bit, bit bit weird, but overall, a lot of fun.
1: So, where did you see this? It was on Netflix. It was like on it, Netflix. Yeah,
2: they they finally added that. Uh, I'm looking forward to season four, which is supposed to come out January first, I believe. So this just is rolled in
1: with all the other like episodes. Yeah, because was, was it a Christmas edition? It, it which was scares
3: long,
2: me that we're was, already into. Well, the Christmas it was supposed season. to. It was it was the Christmas special, but it had very little to do with Christmas. There was like they said, Merry Christmas at the start. <laughs> that was about it. Qualified. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Cause season, season three ended on a bit of a cliffhanger in which Moriarty, who you thought was dead. Moriarty. Who may still be dead. You don't know. Just shows up on the TV screens everywhere in oh, England saying, sneaky Pete, did you miss me? Uh, and so this He's is a tricky one. This is Moriarty. sort of, yeah, exactly. He's all over the place. Rick and Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so this is really just Sherlock's reaction to it. So like, hey, we still got a little bit we can squeeze out of this. So let's throw this into the special, and he goes into this mind palace to try and figure out how the how the hell this guy could still be alive.
1: What the fuck is this? Is this like a Doctor Who Sherlock mashup or something? Or it
2: almost feels like I it. Guess a mind
1: palace. It's, it's yeah. is, is it got like an element of ma- like Dickens kind of magic going on? Is that what's supposed to be?
2: happening there or well who who originally wrote sherlock holmes
3: arthur conan,
1: doyle, it arthur wasn't conan it? doyle but i mean sort of a little bit of a christmas carol well no kind of no ma- like sprinkling as I say, of magic
2: as i said there was like they said merry christmas once uh but it was really just his mind's way of trying to figure out how the hell someone could seem so dead and maybe not be Uh, because the whole crime that he was trying to solve was about a woman who shot herself, but then seemed to come back and kill other people. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I won't ruin the mystery of that. Yeah. That's that's not very jolly, but it, it reflected Moriarty's death in season two, because he shot himself right in front of Sherlock. So he's trying to figure out how the hell this could actually be something that someone could fake and fool everybody. So it was kind of neat.
1: And how long is this?
2: It's like an hour and a half. I think they, all of the episodes are they're, they're ninety movies. minutes. Yeah, the seasons are only three episodes long, but they're ninety minute that, episodes. That's crazy
3: about that show. Well, that's the BBC for you, right? Yeah. So they it, do really short seasons, and
1: yeah, but it's just like when you you sit down to watch a TV show, and you know when you're you're only about halfway through it when you think you've watched a full episode. It's it's you can't just. It's harder to binge. That show because we well,
3: don't need to as much I think when the shows are super long true. you don't want to watch six in a row because yeah.
1: you do them one at a time yeah, yeah. exactly
2: mm-hmm. Um and it's only three episodes a season so in three days you can easily bang out the season
1: yeah and they there's so much time between all of the seasons because they just go on to do sci-fi CGI blockbusters in between playing Smaug and Doctor Strange Doctor Strange Smaug and Bilbo Bagans and <laughs> <laughs> Um,
3: all right. Well, I watched Lucy, directed by Luc Besson. Oh, did you? What'd you think of Lucy? Was it a shiny poop?
1: I wanted to like Lucy. 2014, directed by Luc Besson. I thought this movie was way older than it is. It has Uh, a
2: special place in my heart. I I, tread lightly.
1: I kind of dig it a, a little bit. I wish it was more like Crank. Cause crank, what?
3: Because isn't Crank like self-aware though? Yeah, Crank yeah. is
1: crank is hilarious and ridiculous and terrible and trashy. And this doesn't think it's trashy. Uh, Lucy, if, if, if y'all aren't familiar with the ridiculous story of Scarlett Johansson's Lucy, uh, it's based on the false premise that we only use 10% of our brains. And then if you could use 100, you would become like pure, Imagine. pure energy or some goddamn thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and and let's get it straight. Like, we don't use 10% of our brains. No, like, you just
3: use different parts at different times. We, we use way more than that. That is absurd.
2: Um, we use our whole brain. It's just we couldn't figure out how to track that. It's just so it's complete we, nonsense. We use, we use
1: our whole brain. But you have these, like, ridiculous um, lectures going on throughout the movie of... Mar- Morgan of Morgan Freeman. Of, of Morgan Freeman. So, like, if Morgan Freeman says... What's up? Like, you kind of believe, like, yeah, if you're a dumb audience
2: true. member, what you're gonna. What would happen if you oh, use 20% of you gotta, your brain? Morgan you gotta Freeman. make sure
3: to use Morgan Freeman ethically when you're a writer in Hollywood. Yeah,
2: people will believe whatever he says. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, they just like tap right into like March of the Penguins, like, oh, yeah, is that he did that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, look at those penguins march <laughs> It opens on like a CGI ape. This movie, like Lucy the ape, is kind of where she gets her name from, I guess.
2: Well, they're talking about As Lucy in, the missing link,
1: yeah.
3: Australopithecus afarensis. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Who the she fossil meet? that links she, she, she humans like, to? She, she meets. S- she meets this the, the goddamn
1: uh, uh, chimpanzee at one point. That's like, true. She like touches this, like does a sort of God finger touching thing. This movie's
3: kind of good, but it's
1: terrible. So <laughs> that's, that's why I like it. If you stripped away, like, um, like it's like kind of like Hackers plus Limitless.
2: That's a good way of <laughs> talking about it, actually. I mean, what like, are they hacking? Well, in the way the that, world and, but hack the, the
1: world in the way that hackers it has like these really like it's really like the editing is really fast paced and they're cutting in these like uh, sort of stock footage and stuff of like old futuristic clips. stuff. It it feels really like disjointed and crazy and nine like nineties. Like Lucy feels super nineties. It does oh, actually. Sweet. Um, maybe it's maybe like I should m- watch it. It's a Lelou origin story, kind of. I thought. <laughs>
2: Lilu. Lilu. Yeah. From the fifth element.
1: I could see that. Um, but the egregious part of this whole movie is just the the, the pseudo scientific approach to like the the sort of physics behind it, like it it it'll cut to like a title card where it'll say like her percentage. So like you'll be watching these action sequences, and then it just goes smash to black, and then boom, thirty percent, big th- fat letters, and like fifty percent. Like it boom. ticks up like it just shows you like what she, what percentage she's at. Like it's as if it's that specific, like everyone knows that when you get to like 80% then you can start seeing cell phone signals
3: uh,
2: and then seeing the tree root
3: system like Uh, of course uh,
2: start taking those cell phone signals out of the air and listening to them just by touching them there's some
3: cool
1: video gamey shit kind of and um, she turns into like a quantum computer at the end or something
3: (laughs) yeah that's a little weird Um, this sounds like it will be difficult to do in a good movie
1: like they could have just said that the, the, what what the plot of this movie is Scarlett Johansson's Lucy gets like coerced into like be, being a drug mule they like cut her open and stick a package of drugs in her system and then who could stop her an attempt to sort of ferry her across you know on an airplane you know into the United States with a package of drugs uh, these syn- are weird
2: synthetic drugs these are
1: weird blue crystals that are made out of some like um
2: enzyme that comes out of it's literally kind of it's pregnant women generate this yeah babies absorb a certain amount in the womb of this it's only found there and it's generated by pregnant women a chemical that allows you to get what it is
1: yeah it's it's ridiculous um but just you, you just replace that with sort of the drug just gives you superpowers. That's all I need to know. Don't give me this like brain shit. Don't try to convince me that this is all science. It reminds me of that movie The Fourth Kind. Do you remember that Mia Jovovich movie about like alien abductions? Yeah oh it's absolutely terrible and it has this fake these fake documentary footage of people like rising out of their beds and shit now i remember it is terrible and and, and is trying to fool the audience like she's like hi i'm mia javovich the character i play in this movie uh disappeared without a trace like it's such it's it's all <laughs> bullshit but like a dumb audience would just eat it up you know mike what do you got
2: well the drug is called cph4 <laughs> it's a natural product found in pregnancy at week six that accelerates brain activation
1: so it, that is kind of cool it's it's what sort of generates brain activity in a in a
3: growing fetus so so if you took i wonder it, it's if like you stem cell it now, stem it cells would do anything at all probably not. well
2: according to lucy it does a shit ton now. yeah this movie's science man okay Luke Bazin is nothing if not a scientist. Credible scientist. He's basically Michael Crichton. The fifth element he he was there
1: and he went to the future. This movie was a big hit. Lucy was a like surprise hit with uh with the box office and audiences. Well, Scarlett. Like, it has it, it,
2: it has its charm. Like I I find it fun. I myself was a fan of the fact that she got so power, like as soon as she stopped people in their tracks and disassembled their weapons, like, oh shit, where's this gonna go? What's the big fight scene gonna be at the end? She just goes. She fully, doesn't. She doesn't like.
3: I do love a good gun <laughs> disassembly, disassembly, like in, <laughs> like in someone's hand. Telekinetic. The first time I saw, I think it was Jackie Chan does it in one in like First Strike or in or maybe it's Rumble Jet Lee, maybe in Rumble in the Bronx. I, like oh, you mean just physically somebody, taking somebody it like is holding a gun and, and you like grab the top and slide and it the off. same way that you load it like you know you cock the top back on an automatic gun there's a way to like do some shit and take that off and like and like that's then badass. I think Jet Li does it in another movie oh, yeah, or they, maybe Liam Neeson and then stabs a guy with the top like that's when you're really gangster okay okay <laughs> yeah
1: there's that i digress no there's, there's there's none of that in lucy but um, she just takes it apart with her mind it's a nice breezy hmm? yeah her it, mind and then and then at the end on the cell phone like you have it's ridiculous she sends a text message that says i am everywhere You're like my eyes was this dude hurt from being rolling out of my eyes like what? i am everywhere why I, I am paula she became 100% Uh, Brain activity, and she's everywhere now. She
2: became the universe.
1: Like she's yeah, that's Dune. Yeah, Jodorowsky's Dune. No, well, the real one. I guess this yeah, this movie is not good. I I I wish that Lucy was more self-aware. Like if it took itself a little less seriously, then I'd be fucking all into it. But it thinks it's pretty smart, which is pretty egregious so mm. fuck lucy
2: there's some cool scenes in there though you gotta admit that <laughs> there
1: are some when she sees the root system of the trees and there's some there's some cool stuff and then when her face
3: melts off and
2: well, like shooting the guys through the the wall because she knows where they are
3: when that unicorn showed up though it was pretty out of left field
2: <laughs> you haven't seen uh-huh. this oh wait no <laughs> um if you've seen this unicorn please stop taking <laughs> drugs what else you got mike uh, I've been continuing to watch The Crown, Season 1. Okay. It's a really engaging show. My uh, my wife is watching
3: this, and she's talking about how good it is it's, as well.
2: Yeah, it's very well done. I, last week, I, I said it was sort of like a better Downton Abbey. Um, it's nuts <laughs> seeing what they have to do with this. and well, Sorry, seeing what they had to do in the time and how... Uh, Elizabeth II is trying to be a good queen, but and how she's being manipulated by everyone around her, at least in the early days. So, like as I've seen so far, just saying, you know, this is tradition. Here's the crown, but her husband Philip, the Duke of Windsor, Duke of Edinburgh? Windsor, uh, yeah, no, he, Windsor is her uncle. Anyway, there's so many dukes. I don't. Duke They're all dukes and it lords. Might be, it might and be
3: Edinburgh ladies and.
2: Uh, but Philip, who who is trying, like, who planned the coronation, which was the first televised coronation, bringing the nation and the world into this event. He's trying to modernize it to, to not make this monarchy so far out of reach that people just do not feel connected and don't, when they're disconnected, what happens? I don't know. The Romanovs might have something to say about that. Uh, so he doesn't want revolutions or to be overthrown or the monarchy to just be irrelevant and the people to hate them because they're spending a shit ton of money. Uh, but at every turn he gets like pushback because no, the monarchy is a symbol. People have to, we, this has been done for a thousand years. We need to continue with tradition, but he's one of the few forward seek looking individuals. And so the, the, I think the episode three, maybe four was the coronation. And I found it very interesting how hard he had to fight just for these simple little things, mm. which seem so reasonable and just how unreasonable everybody is and how the scandals of the time weren't like marrying a divorcee was a huge scandal at the time.
3: Yeah. That's what people forget that that's like, <clears throat> like scandal what with- the word comes from, uh, like, the word for sandal and like getting tripped up, getting dressed. Um. Some, but it was wasn't anything to do with. Uh. It, it was to do
2: with like having another mistress or something.
3: <clears throat> Sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. It's
2: uh, it's very. It's so soap opera y. What actually is happening in this family? Um uh, I don't know how much you know about the monarchy and the history over England because I didn't have a. a A large amount of knowledge
1: no it's not big it's like no one really in America has much to say about it
2: so um, like King George her father before got the throne because his brother abdicated because he was marrying a divorcee and they didn't they weren't going to allow that as king because her the church wouldn't recognize it and anoint him because at the time if you were divorced you were not allowed to remarry if the other person was still alive if they were dead till death do us part, mm. then it was okay. So he abdicated becoming King. His younger brother, George took over that, which led to Elizabeth the second and her younger sister is like gets involved with this divorcee as well. And then everybody works to push them apart. And so the struggle is very interesting to watch. And Claire Foy, who plays Elizabeth does a very good job of being conflicted at every turn because she wants to be, a good queen, but and but she also wants to be a good sister and family member and daughter and wife, and all they're all at odds. So I talked about it last week, I'm done talking about it this week. Um, I, I am it, it's like you're
1: not looking up anything about the real Queen Elizabeth, I guess, to avoid to fact check spoilers oh, no. <laughs> in real life.
2: No, no, I'm not. I'm waiting for this to tell me because it's doing a fantastic job. I won't bring it up again, just know that
3: <laughs> no, it's pretty big. You should
2: check I, it I'm out. I'm getting
3: right? a lot of people. Mentioning it, it's very very. I have good. to fact check myself there. Scandal comes from the word snare, not uh, not sandal. Not sandal, and it's just anything that trips you up, right? Yeah. Anything that holds you back. So back in the day, that's what would have been crazy. There would have been no wardrobe malfunctions. It would have been marrying cousins and stuff. That was crazy.
2: Oh, you're you're going to marry a divorcee when his wife's still alive? No, you can't do that.
1: I wonder like what happened like at three a m though in those bedrooms like that it got really freaky
3: then, <laughs> yeah, when you're repressing all that shit all day, what do you do at night? Oh my God, it must have been nasty
2: also the 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 queen and her husband sleep like just like the king does the the monarch sleeps in their own room, like separate from their spouse, which just blows my mind the way <laughs> it should be <laughs> it just blows my mind in a queen sized bed too. <laughs>
3: Um, um, any bed that she sleeps in is queen
2: uh, I see
3: what you did there, dad
1: joke. So, uh, I watched for the very first time in my entire life, Backdraft. Ooh, directed by Ron Howard. I I I had never seen Backdraft in my whole life. It's a lot of. Good I haven't watched this. You've never seen Backdraft? No. Oh, With the Kurt, fire Kurt, stuff is Kurt crazy. Kurt Russell. Holy shit. Uh, You got Kurt Russell, you got William Baldwin, you got Robert De Niro, you got Donald Sutherland. The cast is insane on this thing, man. Some big names. This is a rated R firefighter movie from 1991. Oh, a good vintage. I might say this is still like the gold standard for firefighting movies.
2: It's shot unbelievably well.
1: Like, even to this day, I don't know how they did some of the fire effects... Like, it looks like people are inside of fireballs and, like, actually dying. I don't know how they did some of the stunt work where these people, you know, stuff is exploding and guys are like, it looks like people's lives are genuinely on the line. They probably were. (laughs) I don't know if you could make this movie the same way now. You certainly wouldn't do it in all of the sort of, like, there's very few like VFX in this movie.
3: Who uh, who directed?
1: This would be Ron Howard.
3: Ron Howard. Are you all right over there? Or?
1: Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> um I'm here. The the authentic like feel of everyone in this movie. Kurt Russell plays like his own dad in this feels like Back to the Future during like the opening
3: like in a flashback kind it, of way. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um like he pl- it's like total Marty McFly stuff with him like being like oh i got a mustache and i'm your dad old
3: old fat makeup on it's
1: really bad um but there's like a cool pulitzer prize like scene like basically spoilers opening scene kurt russell senior dies in like a big fire explosion and his son watches the whole thing he's like take your kids to work day shit
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because firemen want to take their kids (laughs) to work yeah
1: but he jumps it's like dad dad and he jumps out of the fire engine and witnesses his dad just crispy body getting blown out of a window and there's like a photographer there crispy yeah like photographer there snapping photos of his this little boy staring up with like his father's helmet crying and it's like this in within the mythology of the movie it's this Pulitzer prize winning photo right which I thought was actually kind of all right it's on the
3: cover of time and yeah that's like in the tick that's how uh, Arthur is inspired his when his dad gets crushed yeah. by the spaceship there's yeah. a picture of him like uh, l- holding an ice cream cone like looking at his hero's die
1: <laughs> but in this case, maybe similar to the tick um he's actually he gets inspired to be a fire well, he actually always wanted to be a firefighter. this didn't sully his dreams, but he's a shitty firefighter like oh. B- William Baldwin isn't a good firefighter, right like he's Billy Kurt Russell the regular Kurt Russell, not Back to the Future, old Kurt Russell, like main star of the movie. He's like this badass, of course, Kurt Russell-style firefighter. raised. Yeah, just fireman. running into buildings, saving people. Meanwhile, Billy Baldwin's saving mannequins from... <laughs> oh, Billy. Yeah. Not this... saving them well. Well, he thinks he's saving people, coming out with a fucking mannequin. Um, but yeah, like, the, the movie's basically centers on like an arson case where somebody it's almost like a mystery movie backdraft it's like there's someone there's an arsonist and maybe we know who it is maybe he's someone we've already met and they're trying to find out this arsonist who's setting up these weird backdraft bombs that like trigger when you
3: open the door. when the firemen go to fight the fire It blows fire on them. No, they're targeting... It's almost like
1: these assassinations, like
3: these... Bombs?
1: Well, they're kind of like... I thought the
2: back was just something that happens if you... It's an change effect. the air pressure yeah. well that's yeah, like it, when
3: the fire's burning really hot but it has a limited source of oxygen when you and open then you the introduce door fuel yeah. into the system
1: yeah it's but that's sort of it's like a makeshift bomb like they blow the guy into the you know mm. into the car and they like the guy in the theater like they're they're right, okay not to get into the plot too much but they're like these people they're sort of targeting with these weird like phenomenon of fire the movie really gets into uh, the nitty-gritty of different kinds of fire, like this liquid fire that sort of ripples along the ceiling and shit, these little fire tornadoes. It reminds me of Twister, where you at the end of Twister, you're like, man, I know what an F4 is. I know what an F5... <laughs> There's a great... Tim When Tim saw uh, Twister for the first time in 96, he said the people next to him at the very end of the movie, when you see that F5 tornado, that giant one, <laughs> the guys next to Tim apparently went... That's definitely an F5. <laughs> <laughs> like, as if you were some expert now, uh, that's kind of what Backdraft does. Like, I felt like I was kind of a pro on the different types
3: of fire. and
2: Ready to put on your firefighting gear? You, and You check that door for heat? Mm,
3: you ever seen, what, like, fire in space?
1: Oh, yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, there's some intense shit in Backdraft, man. Some crispy bodies. Like, there's some grisly imagery, man.
2: Cool. I just remember being mesmerized by the fire in the shots. So oh, if you like fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like it's like liquid rippling and like that weird looking fire that looks like flowing water kind of.
3: Yeah, it can be pretty beautiful.
1: Um And there's a nice little twist at the end and then misdirection and shit. I'm I'm really impressed with backdraft. Two hours and seventeen minutes though on this bad boy.
2: Wow. It's a long run.
1: I don't know if that's necessary. Um, um, that
2: seems to be standard these days, but back then. It was a long movie.
1: Yeah, Ron Howard, man. Like, this is... Like, he was good, and then he sucked. And then he got good for, like, maybe one movie again. And he sucks again. That one movie being Rush? Rush. Yeah, dude. Backdraft is good. 91. It has a stench of the 80s all over it, though. Like, if you can get past that. Like, the soundtrack is Hans Zimmer. An, it's a,
3: you know what? It's an acquired... I don't, I don't know if stench is
1: fair. It's it's Hans Zimmer's score is like super 80s like it just reeks. 91 was like the 80s spilled over into 91, like right? Like the synth. Oh, for sure. I kind
3: of like that synth stuff.
2: It's like kind of partial to it. Well, as you may a know, a lot of people are as yeah. it's making quite the resurgence. Yeah.
1: It's I mean it has elements of true romance
3: the score. Oh,
2: you just named one of my favorite scores.
1: <laughs> well,
3: he adapted that from like an original if you've watched Badlands. Yes, we've talked Badlands is they lifted that straight out of Badlands, right?
1: Which is kind of... It feels very Tarantino-esque.
3: We just hope everyone knows that Badlands has a wicked score that was lifted and put into Bad. Is that uh, fair? Yeah. It I, works, right? It's yeah. the same. It's like a remake. In it's like a homage. Romance. If you like that, like, plink, plinky... Um, um, xylophone kind Xylophone kind of? sounding music, that's straight out of Badlands. With people, well, and it
1: echoes the, the the movies are very similar, so
3: yes, yes, they
1: are. Badlands, y'all. Badlands, it's very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to watch Planet Earth, uh, season two or you know, like series two, the one that's just running. Uh, I've downloaded it. I've got it in the chamber. I'd love to watch it. I'm gonna be checking it out soon. I'm sure that you saw the clip that just was spread all around the internet this week. There's Um, been a
3: few. People are very excited about some of this stuff.
1: Well, the main one would be like this snake iguana chase that is maybe the best action sequence of any movie this entire year. Did you guys see this one?
3: No. Is it narrated by Sir Richard Attenborough? David Attenborough. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, it's this fucking little iguana running along the beach and uh, he gets swarmed by a gigantic like one snake is chasing him. You're like, okay, crazy. And then out of the rocks come like ten thousand snakes. We can watch this on the break. Uh and then they wrestle with him and then he escapes and then they wrestle with him again. I don't want to give away the ending of this thing. Uh he pulls his
2: guns and shoots them all. It,
1: it is this is edgy your seat entertainment and it's all snapped right out of the the animal kingdom, man. Mm. Um it, it's interesting. I think Planet Earth season 2 or whatever this thing's going to go really viral. Like GIFs are going to play a big uh role in Planet Earth getting shared all across the internet. Like we animals doing weird shit like all this well, just...
3: part of this is about how beautiful it looks too, right? Like this is like 4K stuff.
1: I don't know if it's available in North America in 4K, but
3: BBC, like I remember when Certainly Blu, when Blu-ray players were still like brand new. This was like I, the I test. saw one. I think like yeah at your house. Yeah, I believe so. And it was because somebody for Christmas had got like the Planet, Planet, Earth Planet Earth Blu-rays.
1: Yeah, that was sort of the test, like DVD or Blu-ray for any sound system or video like home you're theater.
3: Like, you're like, I got a new setup. And you're like, oh yeah. Do you have uh, throw this on? Do you have Planet Earth. How um, does it look? So, guys, there
1: was a couple of trailers.
3: What did we see?
1: Well, we saw Valerian, and we saw Ghost in the Shell. We saw the full Ghost in the Shell trailer.
3: The full, although it was still... It's only how many seconds long? It's two but, minutes
1: but, yeah. and 30 seconds. It's, it's, it's oh, it sorry. Just my ca- apologies.
2: That <laughs> yeah, just came out today, didn't so it? So you did, you did not see this? I did not see this, no.
1: Um, but the Valerian trailer, did you guys... Do you have any thoughts on this, sir? Uh,
2: I am excited... It looks nuts. It does. Like, uh, just crazy that there are two humans in this entire movie from the looks of it. And that's what it is, right? Like there's just the two of them.
1: Oh, that would be really awesome if... And if, everything else is in it. So are,
2: like they're all aliens.
1: They're on the city of a thousand planets and they're the, the, the lone representatives of Earth. It's just these two?
2: I believe so. There might be a couple others, but for the most part it's them and... That would be all a these really, aliens of the galaxy. That would be a
1: really cool idea. That's ballsy. You you have no one else to relate to but these two punk kids. If you don't like them, then you're kind of screwed.
2: Well, Cara Delevingne is pretty popular these she's days. Easy on the eyes. Well, no, I just she's pretty popular. She's everywhere, so maybe she's relatable. I don't know. I'm not a big fan.
3: I don't know if this movie is about being relatable. Like, like it's just wild, crazy science fiction. Um, it reminded me of, like, seeing the way the aliens were portrayed and stuff, it reminded me of Fifth Element. Yeah. I mean, that's... Very quickly.
2: It
1: feels maybe like this is what Luc Besson always wanted to do. Like, there's a lot of stuff in Fifth Element that was limited with budget, you can tell, and mm. how much you could do with digital effects.
3: Well, this is based on a French comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think he, may have read. he
1: wanted to do this before he even did Fifth Element, I believe. Like, this has been a pet project of Luc Besson's for His years. Career. We should mention that we just talked about how shitty Lucy is. Um, so
2: I enjoyed that, though. Are, are, are,
1: are, are This movie's going to be better or worse than Jupiter Ascending? Oh, please let it be better. Let's- Hard to say. Interesting, right? Yeah. Like, this film could be a giant disaster... I feel like it'll be, the the tone of the Wachowskis is something I often find irritating. They're kind of full of themselves, right? And they think their stories are like bigger than, you know, like larger than life. We're trying to tell an epic tale. I don't know if Valerian is taking itself as seriously as Jupiter Ascending is. I
2: mean, is it? Well, Jupiter Ascending was such a clusterfuck because it was what? A 600 page script that was obviously meant to be multiple movies mm. and they just tried to get as much of the stuff that they liked into the one movie
3: yeah and like it was marketed as I mean before anybody knew anything about what it actually was we just knew oh man the Wachowskis are making something new and it's gonna be mind altering it's gonna change Hollywood <laughs> altogether. I can't wait to see what it is
2: and then we got Gravity Boots uh, even like the trailers for Jupiter Ascending, I thought looked pretty good. They, but the
3: whole they kind of did, but the whole thing was a letdown because it, the story. I just like you said, they was tr- they tried to stuff too much.
1: too Yeah, many there was way too
2: much they tried to do with that movie.
3: In that one movie, yeah. Okay, so I, maybe my question is
1: what what did Jupiter Ascending? Do you, what what can Valerian avoid that Jupiter Ascending did?
2: How how long is the comic? Do we know? It's oh, like, don't come
1: like, to Earth. It's like ten issues or something. Or if
3: you're on Earth, don't make it recognizable. Just
1: go completely nuts on. Like this you thing. have to
3: be so f- you have to be in the future or on an Earth that doesn't look like mine, for me to be on board with all this interstellar multiple realities. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Situation. I
1: mean, this thing looks bananas. I, Fifth Element was great for me because ba- back when I was a kid. In high school, that movie like came out of nowhere. I don't oh, know yeah. if if did, did that happen to you guys? If Fifth Element, yeah. like you did not hear anything about this movie. It just a trailer came out and the movie was out, and you go, what is this?
3: And and my first time through Fifth Element, not a big fan. Oh, didn't like really? it. Oh, I loved man. it so. I remember seeing no. it and thinking like this was one of the first movies where like I, people disagreed with me. Where I it became I started to realize that like sci-fi was not as not everybody was into it because I walked out of this movie and I was like, "Oh, that was awesome. I love the aliens, I love the desert, I love it. everything was so cool. The elements was sweet and they're like, oh. It okay. took a while to to grow on me for I whatever reason. I saw it twice reason.
2: in the theater, I think. Oh
3: man. Yeah. You got to appreciate the tacky orange and like I love Corbin Dallas,
1: if, man. If, oh. if
2: nothing else, that movie deserves my love simply for the opera scene. Yeah. Like I wonder I if love that.
1: Rihanna will give us something similar in Valerian? Is like will they cut her stomach open and pull stones out? I just I feel like Rihanna's gonna fill the same role. Like there's gonna be a musical number that's gonna be super weird. She's just no.
2: reprising her role from battleship.
3: Yeah, I was gonna oh. say that she wants oh, to be a
1: yeah. badass.
2: Love it. Thank
3: you for the battleship <laughs> reference.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Um <laughs> So guys, speaking of aliens, mm-hmm. Uh,
2: That's not a good transition. No?
1: No? Carry on. on. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, come on. Do better than that, then. you got. What do you got?
2: Oh, are we transitioning to the review? Well, what do you... Wh- I thought we were oh, going to talk well, about the Ghost in the Shell trailer. Well, I mean, we can.
1: And I, I don't know if Red has any comments on that yet, so... Uh,
3: no, I'd like I'd, to watch it at the break,
1: maybe. I didn't...
2: Okay. I, I, I'm not a huge fan. It actually it, lowered my interest in the film. It looks... Oh, no. The, the
1: trailer isn't good. Um, oh, no
3: okay well we'll have to investigate there is one more piece of news though that perhaps might be of interest miyazaki that's correct miyazaki uh it's not official like the movie hasn't been greenlit, but uh we do know that miyazaki is sort of semi out of retirement
1: He's making a movie about a little caterpillar
3: yeah borrow the caterpillar that sounds adorable caterpillar. He's making kids movies He's now. so small that he could easily be squished between your fingers <laughs> that's all we know that's that's it mm. <laughs> <laughs> i love that detail yeah and you I- could
1: squish him so easily
3: oh no like so i look forward to some more miyazaki magic.
1: it's it's, it's funny that he's i I hate when directors say they're retiring like just don't bother
3: you know just don't going on hiatus it happens in every in every profession though right like old people old people get old and then they can't not work you know i know it just bothers me just don't just don't make movies we never would have got fury road you know
2: well i think it's just like they get burnt out like fine i'm done with this and then they get some time off like okay I'm refreshed. I forgot about
3: the shitty side of this. I want to do a movie again. Except for Tarantino. He can stay retired, in my opinion.
2: (laughs) How many more uh, films does he have to go? Two,
1: I think. Okay. Um, But Steven Soderbergh's coming back. He's got like a NASCAR movie or something, which might... Like if Steven Soderbergh is making a movie, sign me up. Hmm. NASCAR. Um, Interesting. Right? So, now...
3: Speaking of aliens. Speaking of aliens.
1: (laughs) Um, get your coffee stain, get your coffee stains ready. And then turn them like, outline them in Sharpie. Just, just press the the coffee rings into your placemat. If you make a lot, you'll make a really, really... Cool alphabet? Big message. You can order your food at the restaurant with just placing your coffee rings.
2: (laughs) Spilling coffee. Yeah. Well, you'd only need one ring. Yeah, to to order your
3: coffee, you would have to only have one ring. Yeah,
1: your whole order would go around the... Fuck yes. (laughs) Let's check out Arrival.
0: Thing you're doing there I have to explain to a room full of men whose first and last question is how can this be used against us kangaroo what is that in 1770 captain James Cook's ship ran aground off the coast of Australia and he led a party into the country and they met the aboriginal people one of the sailors pointed at the animals that hop around and put their babies in their pouch and he asked what they were and the aborigines said kangaroo It wasn't until later that they learned that kangaroo means i don't understand
3: i can show that for now yeah and remember what happened to the aborigines a more advanced race
1: nearly wiped them out it's a good story
0: thanks it's not true but it proves my point
1: so that was a clip from arrival A linguist is recruited by the military to assist in translating alien communications. Uh, Arrival is directed by Denis Villeneuve, and it stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Michael Stuhlbarg, and Forrest Whitaker. Not bad. Pretty good cast.
2: Yeah, pretty solid.
1: Forrest Whitaker could have been in it more.
2: Was Michael Stuhlbarg the, guy, uh, the CIA guy who was also in Doctor Strange last week? Exactly, the like Nick, the guy that was sort of Doctor Nick. He was the
1: second, like the sort he of was, lac- like, cynical lackey to Doctor Strange's sort of surgeon character. And this yep. week, yeah, he's the CIA director who has his phone stolen. Uh oh. Uh, so arrival, guys. Yes This movie kind of came out of nowhere We thought Villain, if You're just going from Sicario you, Oh sweet You got Blade Runner 2 coming out Awesome Yeah that's we gonna be great isn't we it We can't wait Oh yeah No by the way I just Oh what's that As we said in my back pocket Yeah I, I just I happen to have Perhaps uh-huh. Scott's gonna say Maybe the best alien invasion movie ever made
3: Ooh, oh, Big one Big praise But I gotta say Not an invasion movie.
1: Well then what is this? Let's go around the room. What do you think of arrival?
2: Well, they're they're definitely trespassing first contact.
1: We don't even interesting thing, we don't even see first contact in this film. They just skip right over that, which I thought was an interesting call. But um Red. Let's hear hear your thoughts. What do you think of Denny Villeneuve's arrival?
3: Oh man, I am Getting more falling more and more in love with Denis Villeneuve. Like this guy is amazing. He he chooses fantastic material. Um this one was brilliant. Like from the screenplay every aspect of this film. Um I don't know if it's a twist or so much as it is like a surprise, but the the way that it's handled is fantastic. If we'll you read into, the
1: novel beforehand, I would say it's not a twist at all. Well,
3: that's because you've you've, you've already the had the spoiler. You know, you've you you know the ending. You know, um, but we'll get into the the, mm-hmm. the little twist there. But uh, it was well acted. Uh, the special effects, which they didn't need too much of, like because of how they handled the story, you didn't need crazy effects, and I thought it was, you know, it was handled. Pretty well. I don't know. There was the one scene where with uh, with Amy Adams that was a bit.
1: I thought you needed crazy effects, by the way, just over-lit. as an aside. Like, I'm going to disagree with you there. Okay.
3: okay, you wanted more to depict an alien
1: language. Y- y- you need crazy y- to visually do this.
3: Yeah, you needed crazy stuff. Oh, well, what they did have was fantastic. Yeah, I believe, and uh, all around this was just a knockout for me. Yeah, I, I love this movie. The heptapods could have been hokey, but no. They they were I was fine with them. I well, love this movie. Is it cuz
1: they're sort of shrouded in mist the whole
3: time and Yeah, you you don't really you're not hit over the head with them at So, it was really good. <laughs> well, yeah. and
2: they move so distinctly and fluid through that environment on the other side of the screen. It's so otherworldly it's super super well done mm-hmm. it, not like the standard gray aliens that you would see or humanoid in any way <laughs> definitely <laughs> different
3: than the uh, the looking glasses in the in the short story though yeah
1: and, and and the the aliens in the short story uh the story of your life mm-hmm. by ted chang the aliens say to the humans in that one that the hum, human beings are the most similar creature to yeah, a,
3: that they have encountered
1: to to themselves that they have encountered thus far which just makes your mind wander about wow what what are the kinds of crazy things that the heptapods have come across heptapods yeah. so cool insane uh mike what do you think of arrival what are your thoughts here
2: uh yeah i'm with you in saying this is probably one of the best alien visiting invasion trespassing stopping for coffee movies that Exist. Um, really broad genre. <laughs> it uh, it does a fantastic job of keeping the human story going, because uh, it starts off with a very personal journey of Amy Adams' character and her daughter, mm-hmm. uh, and her daughter's whole life, tragically, from... Birth to her death so yeah in the first not, few a, minutes, not a spoiler no not let's it's like up in the first few minutes we we get this
3: emotional context yeah. for yeah
2: and throughout the entire film it just keeps coming back to this and the relationship with her daughter and her memories and the film I don't want to spoil anything but it it, it sticks with that throughout the entire thing so I love how it grounded it in a very personal human story um so it wasn't just about the aliens. Yeah, In, in,
1: in the book, the uh, <coughs> Louise's daughter dies in a rock climbing accident. Yeah. There's some big differences that
2: we could, we could talk about. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a uh, less tragic, I think than watching a, a, a disease that's super rare and, and watching her waste away. That
3: is something that I would disagree with after we get into spoilers.
2: Fair enough. Um, but yeah, overall the, the tone, man, did Villeneuve villain of, picks his shots well like who is he working with on, on this one do we know um, cinematographer? it's not
1: roger deakins no. unfortunately which i think it, it's not fair to say like you kind of want him he's he, just you, the
3: best <laughs> you, you always he's the gold standard
1: you and, always want the deke and right he, he's, and he's he, a, he's he feels like he's a bit missing here do you guys uh, I don't no, know. What would no, he do no. with aliens? I'm
2: I'm okay with whoever was on this. Like it's a fantastic visual film. <clears> I <throat> love watching it on the screen. And his choice of composer, is this the same composer he's always worked it's with? Johan Johansson,
1: yeah. who did Sicario.
2: Yeah, that's not surprising. And
1: the music in this movie tripped me the fuck out with that whining alien sort of you know, those violins that go yeah. like, mm. It was a little, yeah,
2: it's fucking insane. The sound design uh, and choice of score was everything in this movie is great. I'm just going to keep saying that, but the, the tones, uh, how the movie starts where everyone is unsure, like what, what's going on. And there is that sense of dread, even though they haven't attacked anything. There are these giant jelly beans just hovering and they're very ominous and as a small little human it's going to affect you and as the film shows through tv it affects the world in many ways uh but i love that it opened with that sense of wonder but also apprehension and then as it as it goes the the music actually changes when the relationship deepens between amy, amy adams and the heptopod. so i Everything is amazing. Um, I, I do want to, we, we're not doing a vertical slice, right, we're, for this one. I'm I, not, I I well, just want to point
1: all, out. It's, it's, we're at like 93 or we were at 100% I wanna, on I want to point
2: team. out <clears throat> Rex Reed from New York uh, New York Observer. I want to call him out. He gave it 25. Uh, this is just an excerpt from what he wrote, and I just want to shit all over him. Uh, Enemy and Sicario were unspeakable disasters, and Arrival, the director's latest exercise in pretentious poopery, gives me every reason to believe I have parted company with Denis Villeneuve for good. S- see you later, buddy. Is this Armand White? Like, are we watching the same films? Yeah, that's like a troll. Yeah. Who? Like, like Armand White yeah. used to be a, just a exactly. troll critic, right? Who is this guy? I don't know. Does Rex
1: he... Reed is kind of a troll critic if if I remember him okay, correctly. Okay, so he
2: just has no joy in his life and wants yeah. to shit over things that are amazing.
3: Scott, how did you feel about
2: what Arrival?
1: Did I, what did I think about Arrival? Um uh-huh. Yeah, this this thing is as you said, it it is a knockout. Um I think it it partners perfectly it just partners well with the short story. Um I, I saw the movie and read the short story all in a span of maybe five hours, just all compacted into one emotional um, journey. I, I adore this story. Um, t- without getting into spoilers, just the idea of this this plot line and story is I find so beautiful, uh, so moving, like heartbreaking. Uh, it sort of encompasses... All of the human spirit, without being pretentious bullshit,
3: you know, which it could easily become. Yeah, it deals with some some pretty emotional stuff, right?
1: but it doesn't do it in sort of some heavy-handed. sappy. I love Terrence Malick, and it, but it doesn't do that, yeah, and it doesn't go all sappy either. Like it doesn't. Uh, it's it just treats its audience like they're intelligent. With mm-hmm. so
2: much respect, which <clears throat> and is so rare these this, days,
1: this feels very similar to Al when I think about sort of the way, the sort of it's the not twist, but it's it's packed into the last like the Denis Villeneuve really knows how to build a movie, and yeah, sort of his,
3: his pacing is is fantastic, right?
1: And 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 the last sort of twenty minutes of his films is often. Like
2: off the charts. Yeah, like he is
1: knocking you in the face with his talent. Yeah, your mind is blown consistently. And this movie is no exception to the point where I, wa- I walked out of the theater and I said, that movie's awesome, but there was some weird okay, what the ending is weird. Then I started, to... it clicked for me and I put it together in my head what was going on and then I was moved almost to tears as I was just uh, walking down the street out of the theater. So it's sort of like, the full weight of this movie hit me afterwards. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like, knockout is the perfect word for this movie. Um, the the cinematography, as you said, Bradford Young, not as good as the Deke. Still but, pretty great. But Roger Deakins is the best. Yeah, so and
3: this guy held his own.
1: Especially with that opening, one of the opening shots of sort of the in, invasion sequence, which is just this, like, like... Absolutely enormous landscape shot, like sweeping, astonishing shot of the egg thing floating in the green pasture with fog rolling in off the hills. Do you, do you remember this yeah, shot? Yeah, yeah. Was... You're, you're
3: looking at this going like it looks like our planet does some alien looking things, but to have that like the that natural sort of cloud formation Just and then pouring yeah over the mountain to have that against this obviously unnatural but somehow still organic perfect shape oval just floating there perfectly still um that
1: that shot was jaw-dropping to me and then we sort of sweep around as choppers are lifting off out of this little encampment um i i I think that shot might be a full minute long like it just
3: was cool i love the way though that they uh they show the like spread of information in her classroom when everyone's phones start going off, sort of a, almost at the same time. Yeah, that felt like... And the kid goes, hey, can you turn the TV on to a news station?
1: That felt like September 11th, to me at least. I was in university when that was going on. No cell phones, but it felt like people, people crowded around TVs
3: and... Yeah, um, yeah. Felt very much like there was some sort of... Empty classes. Emergency. I remember...
1: Empty classes uh, on September 11th. Like, mm-hmm. same thing. And in this case, like they treat the way that an alien invasion or alien contact... It feels pretty realistic. I don't know why, Like, but it, does it strike you guys as... Like, <clears throat> it feels like there are measures in place and the governments kind of are calm about it and they're not... Well, there's, like, procedures and
2: people are following... Yeah, they're, well, they're just... <clears throat> I. I It does that well because in a situation that's so unbelievable, all you can really do is follow the procedures that you've been trained for. So everyone's just following their job to the letter. They've got, it's like they have these plans in place that they can just adapt right away and they just want want to do their job rather than think too much about what the hell is happening. So I I really like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot we don't know about what the first contact was like but I guess it doesn't really matter because we're the story's about decoding the language and communicating with Amy Adams' character's relationship to the language itself,
3: ironically. Like everything becomes else, really important. Yeah, like, it's very, very basic outside of that as well. I mean, like, it's as simple as you described that she's a linguist that they bring in and she goes to the bottom of this big thing. A hole opens up and she goes inside, and communicates with the aliens to figure out their language in a room like she she goes in through a small hallway into a room and there's aliens mm-hmm. and they have what hep- heptopods they have
1: just uh, this giant window seven do, do you seven mean, legs like, yeah that's that's the i think they're all uh arranged in that circular
2: they look like hands
3: there's no
4: arranged, uh, there's
3: no forward facing head or anything yeah there's no forward for them
1: Forward,
2: backward. Um, no, just it looks like there is omnidirectional. Because it looks like there are five legs up front and two in the back, from what I got. Like there, there is perspective with them. They're not one hundred percent. Symmetrical all over.
1: Yeah. Um, They have no facial orifices. I thought that the opening shot where we could sort of come down panning down from the ceiling, it looks almost like you're on the underside
3: of a spaceship. Yeah, they reinforce the fact that these guys are manipulating gravity in their ship.
1: But the opening shot of the film Uh, Oh Is the ceiling Of Amy Adams' house And There's a lot of shots Where we're looking Out of her giant Sick-ass Floor-to-ceiling window Yeah She's got a dope house And I'm I I I could be wrong here But to me That imagery echoes What we see When Amy Adams Is communicating With the aliens On board this ship In that big View screen window Yeah Um I I don't know If that's just like Sort of imagery That they're setting up But um why do you guys think that this thing opens every 18 hours?
2: Well, they sort of explain it that they just have to recycle the atmosphere properly. Okay. Reset it.
1: So all of these capsules, 12 of them for... For the whole f- planet. For the whole planet, I guess. Spread around ro- locations that we don't really ever... They're get. just random. Yeah, you'd
3: think it's, it's you imagine that it's like the old, the classic scenario where it's like some sort of test. And they're like, we landed in all these different hotspots to see how you would re- respond as a human race. I like these, but it's not that it's just totally random. I like the second
2: most probable, uh, theory was that (laughs) Sheena Easton had a hit song in each of those locations. Yeah. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That felt like a bit of Douglas Adams kind of stuff. Nice little quirky joke. Yeah. Jeremy Renner relegated to like a supporting character. Who's like kind of throwaway kind of interesting to see the man in that role,
3: you know, guy, himself it's i, I kind of like it um well it's not he's i mean once we get into sp- we can get we can get into he, him here he's
2: pretty key to helping out too <clears throat> he, like it's it, true um it's just the story is about louise yeah it's, it's not it's amy Adams. yeah
3: exactly it's focused on louise so uh so basically we get raised up into this little
1: hatch and then gravity starts shifting which is badass when looks so cool when they're sort of have to jump vertically and then gravity takes over and they're sort of walking along it's like a 45 degree rotation uh, and they walk up the wall uh and yeah, then but, oh. and then they get into this room where they're communicating with the aliens through
3: this giant barrier it's like an invisible barrier imax screen and then which, there's cloudy mist on the other side and then you can see so, seven-legged monster, like gigantic creatures.
1: Those guys are inside of the capsules, right? They're well they're on the other side of some barrier. So they but they're in the capsule there with you, but you just can't get to them. Yes. Because in the book um there there are these th- like viewing stones basically,
3: the and, the lenses, right? They're looking glasses.
1: Looking glasses, and all they are are just these sort of relics that appeared on the ground um, they're just sort of TV, giant TV screens that allow you to view the aliens because the aliens never come down to Earth in the book they actually mm. stay in orbit so you never meet them like face to, to face, face. They, they are sort of they don't want to come down to Earth's atmosphere and stuff and yeah, you're looking through a screen so I did like that touch when they change. that's a great change for the movie I think to have them there sort of just to cross the it's barrier it's definitely
3: more powerful
2: visually um, well yeah it makes the urgency yeah. which is a strange word to use with the heptapods but like they need to make sure that their visit is a success urgency is not at all urgency
3: might be the perfect word for you to use with the <laughs> heptapods why though
1: they, they 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 hang out and they just wait they don't they don't well, have any
2: rush they don't Because. Perceive time the same way we do. What? Okay, yeah. I've
1: I've got a Um, a
3: line here that I can't even read, but it's. it's (laughs) Urgency is exactly right. And uh, I'll I'll say why in spoilers. Um,
1: We we have to have. You don't have a sci fi movie with spaceships uh, without the scene where somebody. Goes ahead and takes off the old helmet, right? Like that—that that has to happen in every yeah. sci-fi movie. Oh, what are
2: you doing? Like, don't I can take, breathe the air; it's fine. Don't take the helmet off. What? Oh man!
3: Sometimes it backfires, though. Like in uh, Prometheus. Prometheus—that's a bad move. Everyone in knew that was a bad idea.
2: Did not taking the helmet off didn't matter in Prometheus.
3: I think their air, their their
1: breath activated something in the room. The atmosphere started changing. They,
2: they, just opening the doors did that Anyway, we're not talking <laughs> about <this.
1: laughs> um, Good cat. <laughs> but yeah, like so, we can probably get into spoilers. Um, I, I just, please, I re- please, I, please, please, I, I, I really we, love. Have to get into spoilers. I, I, I really love when we see the aliens for the first time coming out of the mist, and then they sh- they put a bit, put a tentacle up, and then shoot out ink into a. sphere like circular coffee stain ring.
3: That's after she's done human. Uh, they don't show anything written until she takes the until whiteboard. She,
1: yeah, yeah, until she
2: starts writing to them.
1: They start using heptapod B. Um, there's two written language and a spoken language, which are actually completely different for the aliens. I just thought it was such a gorgeous way to depict like a, a sentence in this circular shape um, in a ring. It, it just blew my mind and and it looks gorgeous um, with them sort of silhouetted against this white background with these, these, these beautiful ink shapes taking form in front of you. Uh, it, it's just mind blowing. Like I, if you, if I'd read the book beforehand, I would have no clue how they were going to do this movie. Right. You, you would oh, think yeah, to yourself
3: questions if you haven't. Yeah.
1: You would think like, that's why this movie is such a knockout. It, like translating the idea to screen and doing it this way with these sort of circular language and the, the way that the shape of the language reflects their perception of
3: reality. Oh, the whole, like, the well, fact that yeah. someone decides to make a movie out of a, a short story that's based on this Sapir-Whorf hypothesis thing. It's
1: such an abstract.
3: so out there. What a, what a gamble. Uh, guys,
2: what's the Sapir-Whorf thing?
3: Oh, it's it's just about the fact that how your perception of reality would uh, oh, change based change on change your language, yeah. or but also vice versa. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, spoilers for Arrival starting right now.
2: I'm just gonna <laughs> come out just to continue that thought with uh, the picto circles. Semigrams. Semigrams. is that what they're called mm-hmm uh I love the design, and I love the idea that it's a complete thought and it's not like it's not just words, it's a bunch of things strung together for that like ah uh, yes, right it's well it's done
3: every, it's every part of
2: it's it's the sentence in one character
3: and that's not in the
1: book the that that was created like they needed a visual way to show that for the movie, and the creators. Like they brought in real linguists, from what I understand, they actually created this language for the movie, hmm. Hmm. like That's from impressive. scratch. Like each of those symbols is kind of actually has meaning, A part of speech. Interesting. And so the program
2: they're using on the iPad actually probably exists. How right in it?
1: Fucking brilliant is that. I mean, we do kind of skip over, like, oh, we don't know how to communicate with them. Cue the Jeremy Renner montage. Well, we've been communicating with them for three months now. Everything's going good. Now they got these awesome screens set up and they just type in what they want and like
3: sweet little coffee stains. iPads to like communicate really quickly.
1: It's so easy now. But the main spoiler here, guys, isn't the coffee rings. It's the flashbacks that we've been seeing the whole movie are actually flash forwards. Right. And. Yeah, when Amy Adams is like, who is this girl I keep seeing? We keep thinking the whole movie that, oh, her backstory is so tragic. She had this, you know, child that she has lost to cancer, as we were saying earlier. You know, this is such a sad, tragic story. Oh, no. No, that's actually her future. That's going
3: to happen. She's remembering forwards. And
1: she's fully aware of it now. Mm -hmm. And she has learned a language... And the language
3: has altered her perception of time and space. By becoming fluent in this alien language, she has started to perceive time differently. She can remember forwards as well as backwards, which leads to my big question, which I think is answered a little bit more in The Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. But I'll ask you guys, do you think that Villeneuve's portrayal of the heptapods language infers a deterministic universe so, meaning that so, like the 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 repercussions or consequences of so there's the no philosophy fr- here is that there's no free will there's no free will
2: well doesn't it reflect the whole time as a flat circle statement do you, like do you, isn't that why it's circular do you,
1: do you want to know what it says on my notes right there Mike there there we go. It it, it's, it it indeed says time is a flat circle, which is like the the theme of True Detective, or at least one of them is represented literally in this movie. Like you literally have flat circles representing like perspectives of time, I guess.
3: They I don't know if they're exactly flat though. Like the parts seem to be like three-dimensional when she's when they squirt them out with their ink appendages.
2: Well, they're still 2D. Yeah. But uh, you can
3: read them on a screen
2: well, the deterministic question huh it because seems to be because the the way the, the way they're perceiving time they know that they they need human they need humanity's help three thousand years from now. they know that, but they're also doing this in the past, so they're perceiving everything at the same time, so they would they would know that Amy Adams is going to get the language, but they're stuck in a in this, like, because Amy Adams even chooses knowing that her da- daughter is going to to die to do that, do to, to do that, and it's, I don't think there ever was a choice. <clears throat> this is she's now just perceiving how things are, uh, and I think the aliens are perceiving it that way too. So predetermined is what the universe is in this story is. It, would be it, my guess. It does
1: appear that way, and and the book does ex- talk about sort of going through the motions, quote
3: unquote. Like per being well, actions being performative, y-
1: and and um, you you need to know sort of the effect before you can know the cause and and, and stuff like that because it's all
3: looped and shit. Yeah, the big rev- the big like uh, aha moment that they have in the book is when they they're trying to communicate with the aliens and find some common ground with math. And they're all of the things that we consider to be basic. They're just like, what are you? We do not get what you're talking about. But then they show them this one of Fermat's theorem about uh, light refracting through water, and they're like, well, that's because when you put light through water, it refracts and it behaves differently. It goes in a different direction. And the heptopods are like, no, it it just it has to get there, and that is going that way like the way that the light travels minimizes the amount of time that it has to travel through water because it travels more slowly through water which is also true so the idea is that maybe both are possible Mm -hmm. like if you have a language like ours that's what is it causal i think we we see the world as like one thing after another yeah a linear and our our language is derived from that but if you had a non-linear language like the heptopods do, then uh, it's not necessarily the case. For them, it's what they call teleological. It's and for and everything's performative. They they still do it. So when you were talking about urgency before, you were saying like, uh, "I I have this quote here. Um, well, it's not a quote. I was paraphrasing from the story of my life, but it says." Maybe knowing the future, uh, because you remember you can remember forward. If you get if you're fluent in this language, you can you can remember forward. So maybe knowing the future uh, evokes a, a a sense of urgency or obligation to act as you would.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. That that seems to be coming across in the film, like in every scene. Specifically, the climax of the film when she's trying to get the Chinese to stand down, like she she's not. She is not conscious, consciously choosing where to go in the future. It's just coming to her when she needs it. Yeah, it 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 happens like it's supposed to happen. Yeah.
1: It it reminds me of the way that uh that Doctor Strange uh sort of perceives the universe. And it the Watchmen, the comic Watchmen seems to sort of go into detail explaining how his perception is much different. Um,
2: like Dr. Manhattan Dr. Manhattan's perception yeah
1: it's, it's the same idea I guess where it's, it's time is this endless thing that you're perceiving all at once but you, you do have to exist in one moment at a time well we do and there yeah but there is in the book there is something about how the aliens still need to like the handshake still needs to get get
3: done right like, that's why they're, this, the written form of language exists
1: yeah yeah it, it, it's like there's still you still need to put a nail in it like there's still formalities still need to get done even though sort of like, oh well, you know, and you still have to get from A to B. Exactly. and sort of it, that echoes Amy Adams story. It's you if you already know the end point of your life, right if you already know the whole story of your life to say the title mm-hmm. um, is it still worth living right? like you you know the end point, you know all of the beats all at once. But is it still worth going through that, like, going through each moment uh, sequentially? And it's and it's beautiful the way the book is written. Is it's all flashbacks to well, it's Z. it's
3: it says you we will and you will. It's well, written in a way that it's that's, written
1: in three different tenses. You it, don't
3: really know why. it seems confusing at first. It's
1: so brilliant. That's maybe my favorite part of the book. And and the movie does a brilliant job of this too. As as good a mo- as sort of as good a job as a movie can do this is it is it sets all of the alien decoding stuff in past tense you know this is what happened when we were decoding the alien language um and the present tense is a heartbreaking love letter to louise's daughter um but uh, as she's being born as she uh, on, uh, on her birthday basically as she's being born and then all of the future tense stuff is her explaining like it it will be your third birthday. You will ask me this. You know, it will be your 25th birthday. Uh, we go to the hospital to identify the body and stuff. Like, It's, it's a it, really
3: well-written short story. It's
1: incredible. It and it's, won
3: the 2000 Nebula Award. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just heartbreaking
1: to sort of have all of these memories played out um, and, and, and having this tinge of melancholy with each one, you know, knowing that you know, the daughter's going to die at
3: age 25. and well, She's the paradox, right? And, and I have two things. One was that you had said earlier, it's more tragic that she dies of cancer. Um, so these are kind of connected. So um, it's a, sort of a paradox that it's presented as, but it's not really. The paradox is that uh, in the book, it's worded as the, the book of ages must be right by definition. Yet no matter what the book says she'll do, she can choose to do otherwise. So the the decision to have a daughter or not have a daughter seems to be the decision that is Louise's to make, which count seems to counteract that knowing the future means that you can't change it. But
2: that doesn't really come across in the film at all. Yeah. The the the,
3: final, the final line of the movie is, do you want to make a baby? There's that's the whole right. The decision to have a baby with Ian is only tough because she knows of this coming illness, the breakdown of the marriage uh, you know that these are we We now know these are flash forwards and she knows all of this stuff so she still, she's
1: still goes making, through with she's it she's still making that decision and that's why Jeremy Renner like leaves yeah. ultimately
2: well because she tells him that she the daughter's gonna die and he can't handle it. and so I, I could see why say, he'd be pissed off yeah but to say yeah because
1: he, he, he doesn't understand the language is that
2: well he understands I'm sure he understands the concept and how she perceives time I think I was talking about this with my girlfriend. She asked if maybe they could make up in the future. And I think it's, it's 100% done because at the end, when he asked the question, do you want to make a baby? She could have said, well, you could have brought him in in a loop. Like, well, she's going to die at this age. Do you want to do that? Uh, but because she kept it from him and went through this all, like let him become so attached to his daughter. Like, but that's she, not
3: how the, how time works. Apparently, that's the, 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 uh, in the book or in the story, she says, you know, if people that know the book of time or book of ages don't tell people what they've mm. read. And there's something to that. I mean, she, I think she doesn't, does she really have a choice? Now I'm, now I'm doubting <laughs> my original position. I, I think that, um, well, I was going to talk about how it's not more tragic about cancer compared to a rock compared fall to a rockfall. Like if you if you know that someone's going to die and you can say the day and in time, it's I don't true. think it matters what takes. That's true. What they're, takes they're both you. tragic. Yeah. Um, did
2: anyone uh unrelated note, did anyone get have you have you read Slaughterhouse 5? Yes. Did you get the sense of the Tralfamadors or whatever the heck they're called that live Throughout, like they perceive time basically the same way that the heptapods do, so they can go to any moment in time um, hmm. that they exist.
3: I, I, uh, that seems like a bit of a stretch because the heptapods go through time, but they, it, it's sort of like they recognize. Oh, how do like, the, the tra- Trafalmadorians or Trafalma, Mid- whatever the whatever the the Vonnegut aliens. They, they are just like us. Like they talk like us, and but they can go in and out of time, and they have zoos and weird stuff like that. Have human zoos. Yeah, the heptapods don't. Wouldn't have zoos like that. Wouldn't.
2: Well, I, I don't care about the specifics. I'm talking more about the perception of time, because uh, they talk about in the book how no one is ever really dead because you can just go to the moment at any time. I'm wondering if the heptapods are similar or if Amy Adams would be similar. So even though her daughter dies, she can still go back and see her daughter alive. Like they can't, instead of just a memory, she can actually just go back. No, it's, well, it's, no, cause, it's cause, more
3: like she can remember forwards and backwards. Okay,
1: Because yeah, the alien well, says like Costello is dying, right?
2: And, and he is in death process.
1: He is in death process. Was that related to the bomb that was? Set I think off? so, because Costello was the one that saved them. You, you yeah, guys, I think that means he died. You get the impression that that injury to like Costello death process
3: was like he he dead he died.
1: But like that that was caused by the bomb. You guys yeah, are yeah. getting the impression right? It yeah. wasn't just sort of some natural. No, nope. they blew him up. Okay,
2: because he was on the bomb was on the same the left side of the room, and that's where he was, and he mo- he was at the screen yeah. pushing them out. Yeah.
1: Um so I just, I want to talk about the scene where we see Shang, like president Shang of China, general general Shang in the future. The, the climax of the movie, it, I don't know if it worked for me when I first was watching it, but then oh, up, I loved upon it. consideration I loved it. that that's when it hit me. And I became pretty emotional after the movie when I realized what was happening in that final scene. Um, but I have a question about what is happening in at the party scene in the background. We have a Did you see the series of flags on the wall? It was like a UN thing. Yeah, it, it was like was, a World United they, World. And the largest flag of all was a white flag with the with with an alien symbol on it.
2: Well, they briefly mentioned the unification. So the world has unified at this point and <clears> that <throat> may be the symbol they've chosen. And so I, I just wonder how much of the world is perceiving
1: time in this in this circular way now. Like how she, it looks like uh Louise has written a book, you know. The heptopod language, yeah. Yeah, the, the For dummies, universal language <laughs> or something. And you can just buy it at Kohl's or fucking chapters and yeah, you're good and you, to go. And and well, now you got you can you have a choice. That's the
3: exchange They were everybody was wondering why they were there, and the idea is that they came to give us their language so that we could see time their way. But then in three thousand, this is the three. The exchange bit is not in the book. We don't know why they came in the book.
2: Yeah, that three thousand years but thing. The is thing added. That, that okay. They're
3: going to need our help in three thousand years.
2: That's why. So they need to make sure that humanity is on track to help them out. Yeah, we have to be able to see time their way, which is why hence the urgency. Like they need to get this done because mm-hmm. they're probably because exp- they, they're experiencing whatever the tragedy, the war, whatever is in 3000 years. They're experiencing that now but also coming back.
3: Hmm. Whereas in the book it's less important because it's more of a philosophical experiment to Well, I explain just explain both the- I, th- yeah i in in the movie though i think what like what
1: better way to bring humankind together by like sort of making us work together to solve this puzzle a and then also giving humans this gift to sort of experience life in a non-linear fashion to sort of see the consequences of all of our actions all at once and all of our lives played out all at the same
3: time um Think about, about how that would change everyone's behavior. Would, yeah. would, would would
1: that would that lead to less people, you know, hurting each other and murdering each other? Like it's, it, it you can perceive all of your life in one giant snapshot. You know everything you've ever done, everything good, everything bad. Um, I it's a question of how many people in this future adopt read this. the book. Yeah, read yeah. literally read. Pretty interesting. Read. Louise's book. Well, it, it's, it's not it's,
2: just reading. It, you, you really have to understand you have to the fluent. language. become
1: fluent. That's the thing. It, 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 and that, that leads to this, the whole theme behind this, this story is that language can alter your entire perception. There's great scenes in this movie where she talks, Louise talks about herself, uh, dreaming in the alien language. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I play too many video games and I'll have dreams yeah. that I'm playing video games.
2: Goddamn World of Warcraft. Um,
1: so I can see that happening and it's uh they they talk of the same thing. You, you you dream and have a you have European accents and whatnot, right? So um so yeah. You guys this I movie is definitely top, worth seeing top of the year. Oh, this is so for, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um what are you guys giving this out of ten? Um I'm gonna
3: give this a nine point nine. 9.9 9.
2: no i was gonna say 9.5 but i'm gonna dial it back i'm not gonna dial mine back 9.5 Nice.
1: this is a 9.5 for you eh?
2: i loved the themes it was executed immaculately uh and just seeing a sci-fi movie that you know w- was intelligent and went in a direction that wasn't explosions and shit like that mm-hmm. uh, it was a Nice concept. I loved it. I was so refreshed by this. It might only be a 9 or an 8.5 if I were to No, let the personal No, no, yeah. Well, it, I'm giving it a 9.5. Yes. I'm I'm just saying we don't get enough films like this and man, Denis Villeneuve. Fuck, yeah, that guy. A deft touch.
1: This short story is like tailor-made for a Denis Villeneuve film. Like just the way that the structure can lead to that reversal at the end. A
3: screenwriter do like we gotta give them some props. Um
1: it's like Eric Hessinger Hessinger. Well good done. Good
3: on sir. him, yeah.
1: I mean this 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 little thing that was written in such an obscure way gets expanded to such a emotionally rich, mature, spectacular, heartbreaking. hmm Yeah. Nine 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 point oh for me. I wish I should I go nine point five?
2: Hey man, do what you want to do. I loved this film. I, I thought about giving it a 10, but it, I just couldn't bring myself to do that. I give it a 9-year
1: n- perfect. <laughs> I give it a 9.5, guys, and I'm, I'm including the short story with Arrival. That's fair. Because I think the short story is a 10, in my opinion. It's, it's a masterpiece. Great writing. Uh, heartbreaking. Beautiful. Please rush out to see Arrival.
2: Yeah, do yourself a favor. I'm a little disappointed Everybody. that it's only in like the small th- theater where I went. Do the work it takes. Like, that's, in Vancouver, it was at Scotiabank, but it was one of the smaller screens. And that disappoints me.
1: I was really I was up close, front and, front and center for this. This thing was overwhelming and blooming. Well, and... I just
2: mean it seems like it's not going to make a lot of money because it's not in the bigger theaters. Yeah. Which is disappointing because this deserves all of your money.
1: I, don't, I think it's doing better than Sicario, so... Good, good. If you see this movie and agree or disagree with our takes, please let us know. Yeah. Verticalviewing at gmail.com. This movie's in wide release now. See it. Yes, really, really go Support see it. Support
2: this thing, everybody. Tweet us at Vertical Viewing. And let us know how you thought if you don't want to email.
1: Even if you don't like sci-fi, this thing is... I would say it's it's more drama.
3: Yeah, it's emotionally uh, it's, charged.
1: It's drama first, then you can get all the ink squid creatures uh, in heptapod. there too. Did you guys catch the enemy reference where she's, uh, sees the, she sees the, in the Heptapod dream. in, in yeah. her bedroom and yeah, sort of scuttled into the corner. Yep. Yeah. Enemy. No.
2: He, uh, yeah. When she was dreaming t- talking in her dream about, Oh yes, you know I mean? yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Right. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Totally good. That's awesome. Um, next week we are reviewing fantastic beasts and where to find them.
2: Ready Edmain.
1: I don't know about this one, guys. We'll see. There's going to we'll be see. a bunch of them, so let's hope it's good. Yeah, like nine or fucking 15
2: of these. 300 Five. of them.
1: <laughs> we'll see how this matches up to Dr. Strange. I don't think it's going to come anywhere close. I don't
2: think well, it can. Well, it's revisiting the Harry Potter universe, which has a special place in my heart. And this is my uh,
1: first time seeing one in the theater.
2: Oh, really? Any of mm. the. Well, Eddie's pretty good.
3: Eddie Potter.
2: Eddie Redmain's pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sold on the cast. So let's see. Except when he talks. Like this. <laughs> I was gonna go for Jupiter Ascending. I, Don't man, do this, he was anyway. so over the top in that role, but
1: I create and I, life <laughs> and I destroy it. <laughs> um,
2: that's our <laughs> well, show well done, Every, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: Yeah, um, that should do it, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Wilson BC. That's with two L's.
3: Uh I'm also on Twitter at Jared
2: underscore Sargent hmm I'm on Twitter at Michael R. Lind.
1: Right then. Uh you can follow the show on Twitter at vertical viewing. Verticalviewing at gmail.com. Like we said, let us know what you think of Arrival or anything else. Uh
2: send us a quesadilla recipe. Yeah, yeah, Please. Go to, to
1: I- yeah, iTunes is where you're gonna leave your quesadillas. Uh five star reviews plus quesadillas. Equal, just continual free podcasts. Uh, or you can go to verticalviewing.com, shiny little donate button, uh, whatever Doge coins and Bitcoins you got, all go through PayPal.
2: Show will always be free, but any oh, little man. bit really helps. Yeah. Yes.
1: That slice comes right to you free. Uh, so click the donate button. Helps us offset cost of seeing movies, putting on the show, uh, delivering that podcast every week. Uh. Anything else, guys? Any final thoughts?
3: Um, I I just keep thinking that those ships looked like giant stone contacts and, like, how uncomfortable it would be to try and put in a contact lens made of stone. That's
1: what you thought about? I thought they were wicked, like, skipping stones. Oh,
2: you could skip a hundred times for sure with one of those. They were just a solid glyph of their language. Or, like,
1: sweet little sandstones, those little rubbing stones, or you just, like, put your thumb on it. Yeah, just... What did you think of when they like dissolved Into Disappeared Into watery vapor Perfect Were the aliens ever really here?
2: Yeah They just
1: travel
3: (laughs) They travel
2: differently Crazy I think
1: they were just in VR They were just in VR man
2: Dimension hoppers. They were just
1: doing their own Oculus Rift. Maybe,
2: maybe we're the heptapods. That's the help they what? need. In three thousand oh, years, we become heptapods. We come back. We evolve into them. That's too for, much for space travel.
1: Uh, yeah, this is one of the best films of the year. One of the best
2: sci-fi movies oh. of all time. Of all time, yeah. it's probably in the top ten. It's a great Easy. film. We got to figure this out in the, we the top will, ten sci-fi. And we'll let film? You know. Damn. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. uh Tune in next week, like we said, for Harry Potter and uh, where to, where to beasts, where to find him. And,
3: uh, and as always. What do you do? Keep it vertical. Oh, what? Just like the aliens. Whatever that means.